Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Harvey, can I do a brief introduction to Caroline? Sure, go ahead. So, um, um, I, this is a really sweet lady, and she's been, in, and many of you know her, she's been an essay for five years. She's been sober uh, since 2015. She sponsors, and she's also involved in her local SA prison program uh, where they go into the prison and do meetings, and she went to the SA Denver International Convention in 2016. And I love her recovery motto, I'll do everything it takes, as long as it takes, uh, I'll do everything it takes, all that it takes, and for as long as it takes. Ms. Carolyn, thank you for coming today and being of service to all of us. Thank you, GW. I'm Caroline Sexaholic from Utah. And I do have a vision for myself in recovery, and I got that out of, out of the big book from a story that I read in A Doctor's Opinion, and I'll share that story with you. It says, a man was brought in to be treated for chronic alcoholism. He had but partially recovered from a gastric hemorrhage and seemed to be a case of pathological mental deterioration. He lost everything worthwhile in his life and was only living, one might say, to drink. He frankly admitted and believed that for him there was no hope. Following the elimination of alcohol, there was found to be no permanent brain injury. He accepted the plan outlined in this book. One year later, he called to see me, and I experienced a very strange sensation. I knew the man by name and partly recognized his features, but there all resemblance ended. From a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. I talked with him for some time, but was not able to bring myself to feel I had known him before. To me, he was a stranger, and so he left me. A long time has passed with no return to alcohol. And I want to be like this alcoholic. I want to be a totally different woman than I was in the addiction, even unrecognizable. I don't, I don't, because I was a lot like that alcoholic before he found recovery. So I'll tell you a little bit of background about my addiction. And I'm not sure why I'm a sexaholic, and I don't know, maybe it doesn't matter anyway. But what matters is I am a sexaholic, and I need to work the steps if I want to be happy, joyous, and free. Nevertheless, I seem to come from a line of sexaholics. My paternal grandfather was a sexaholic, and he committed suicide instead of dealing with the consequences of his sexaholism. And I also believe my father to be a sexaholic, even though I don't have proof. I just have a suspicion that he is. The turning point of where I had a negative change in attitude came when I was 14. My parents had previously adopted two troubled older children, a boy and a girl, and they came from a background that was physically and sexually abusive. And they remembered all this stuff. That's, that's where they came from. 
At the age of 14, my adopted brother started touching me inappropriately, and I was so enraged. Every time he would do this, I would, I would get so angry. I'd kick him every time. And I'd tell my mom, and she would just make excuses for him. And at this time, I came to the unhealthy conclusion that I couldn't trust my gut instinct because it was wrong. I mean, my mom was making excuses, so it had to be wrong. I also concluded that I had no voice, which another unhealthy attitude. Later on, also at the age of 14, my brother lured me into a room saying he wanted to talk to me about something. And I had a bad feeling about it, but I thought, ah, that's ridiculous. So when I got in the room, he pulled a knife on me and attempted to rape me, but I wasn't going to let him do that. So I beat him up and took the knife, and I escaped out a window, and he spent time behind bars because I called the cops. But after that, things changed for me. Even though I managed to beat my brother up, things changed for me right then. I began to run, literally run and figuratively run. I started running. I joined the track team. I ran a lot. But also, like a delusional woman, I decided all men were like my brother. So it's not true, but that's what I decided at the time. And I was going to quit men by becoming a nun, but I'm not Catholic. And nuns don't get none, and that might be a problem for me because there were too many attractive men out there. So I didn't think I'd like it, being a nun. I decided what I was going to do instead was date a lot of men and use them. I'm sorry to admit that I had that terrible attitude, but I, I did have that. And I decided I wasn't going to commit to any of them because they couldn't be trusted and they were just bad people. And I know that's not true at this point, but that's what I thought back then. I apologize to all the men out there. Deep inside, however, I realized the flaws in my logic. My dad, even though he seems like he's a sex addict, I think he's a decent guy. And same with my maternal grandfather is also a decent guy. And I've actually, I know a lot of decent guys, but I couldn't see it at the time. Fast forward a few years, my acting out progression when I was single was fantasy, which led to flirting, which led to acting out with other people. But even though I was a sick person, I managed to get married when I was 19. And I thought, this is the solution. I would now be vaccinated against all other men. And I'd finally be able to concentrate on something other than sex. I bet a lot of other people have felt that way. But I was wrong. I didn't get into any major trouble for several years. But fast forward several more years, I'd given birth to twins and had postpartum depression. But then, and that's really not a good situation because every day felt like death. But one day at work, I felt like I needed to ask a supervisor a question. So I walked up to his desk and that's when it hit me. This was my first, this is where my problems began after I got married. It hit me. Lust. I felt, it felt way better than being depressed all the time. So at this time, fantasy led to flirting, which led to an emotional affair. And the day came where I realized I had to get out of that job or I'd wind up doing something stupid. So I prayed to my higher power, asking him to help me get a different job as soon as possible within two weeks. I got a different job, so I do know my higher power is watching out for me. I felt like never again I'd learned my lesson. I was going to turn my life around. I wasn't going to do anything stupid like that again. And I did every service thing I could think of. I thought that was the solution. Within two years, I felt a lot better. But then, I'm still a sex addict. I just didn't know it at the time. At my current job, my supervisor introduced me to my manager one day. And it hit me again, but even worse. I felt like I had to do stupid things or else I'd die. I felt like I would do anything. 
And so I pulled myself together. I said I was going to avoid this guy. So I avoided him and felt much better because I'd learned my lesson I, from before. Only my fatal flaw, I had a fatal bad decision or something. So I'm a trade unionist, and I believe in the rights of bargaining unit employees. So I just thought I was going to become a union steward. The person above me in the union gave me some grievances and told me to meet, meet on them. And the person I was supposed to meet with was this manager. So I told this union steward guy that was above me, I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to meet with him. But then my friend in the union made fun of me I told because I told him why. He made fun of me and laughed at me a lot. So I decided I wasn't going to let some guy stop me from being a steward. It was really my fatal bad decision. I said, self, are you really not going to do something you believe in just because of some guy? I told myself, hey, I go to church every Sunday. I read the scriptures. I say my prayers. I mean, God's going to deliver me anyway, but it's just not how things worked out for me because I didn't have the skills I needed. Eventually, I wound up getting in a lot of trouble. Here's a list of things, all the things I did to try to avoid a situation with this guy and also to quit this guy. None of these things worked. So I checked myself into a psychiatric facility twice. I didn't tell my family why I did this. I went to counseling. I asked God to take it from me. I tried fasting. I moved over a 1,000 miles away from that guy. I smashed my secret phone with a hammer, hammer once, sledgehammer. I buried my secret phone in the ground at the gym. I joined a gym and worked out a whole ton. I deleted my secret email address. I tried being mean to this guy to try to scare him away. That didn't work. I tried to scare him away by telling him I loved him, and that didn't work either. But then I started believing that lie, even though I never loved him. The day I realized I was a sex addict came when I watched a television show about interventions. The show was about a former NBA player who joined the European Basketball League after he retired from the NBA. He retired from the European Basketball League and didn't know what to do with his life, so he turned to heroin, and he lost everything, his wife, his kids, all his money. He lived on the streets, but he still couldn't stop. I realized I was just like this man. If I lost everything, could I stop? I didn't think so. I tried to ask my husband for help, but I couldn't figure out how. So then I saw a bottle of Clonopin on my dresser, and I decided... That's probably what I need to do, otherwise I'll ruin everybody's life. So I ate the whole thing, but all I got out of that was a nap. So it was all right. But then one day my angel, some anonymous person, I don't know who, sent me a link to the SA meetings in Utah. And I'm grateful to this person. I don't know who it was, though. So one of the times that I broke up with this guy, I broke up with him hundreds of times, I went to my first SA meeting the next day. Even though I got back together with this guy, I was able to break up with him a few months later for good. So I'm really grateful to that. After quitting this guy, it actually did take me a few years to stop masturbating and also to stop contact with him altogether, but I never saw him again it, about five years ago. That's when I quit. A little over, under five years ago, I mean, that's when I quit seeing him. I've been no contact and met the SA sobriety definition since 13 July 2015. To me, no contact looks with, I don't want to have contact with any unhealthy men. It looks like blocking on social media and getting rid of 
I don't have a secret phone number or a secret email address. I can't have those things. I really did whatever I could do to throw away any hidden bottles. I got rid of everything this man gave me also. Some of the things that helped me to stop, I'll tell you. Affirmations. I do this. I change my passwords on my work computers to affirmations. And after typing those things in a lot, I start to believe them. That helped a lot. I had one of my sponsors had me write a letter to this guy, this the guy I had the biggest trouble with, but not send it. The letter was telling him all the things I loved about him. But then when I read all the things I loved, I realized it had nothing to do with love. It just was sexual, physical. And so I was trying to justify my acting out by calling it love, because you can justify almost anything in the name of love. For a long time, almost a year, I went to two essay meetings a day. They say when all else fails, go to more meetings. So that helped me a lot. I also make sure I always have a sponsor. I do the things my sponsors have told me to do. I work the steps. I contact other women in SA for outreach. I'm going to do whatever service I can reasonably do. And I also sponsor because I heard that you've got to give away what you've got with sobriety in order to keep your sobriety. I also have the realization that anything I put before my sobriety, I will lose, including my sobriety. I've also decided to do everything it takes, all that it takes, for as long as it takes. And here's what the change in me looks like at this point. In the addiction, a lot of people ask me why I was so sad and angry. A lot of people wouldn't even go near me, I noticed, because of the, and even if they did, I would find a way to get them away from me as quickly as possible, usually by being mean to them. I was denied promotions at work because they said I was too sexual. I, I don't think I was a very pleasant person to be around at all. But in recovery, I couldn't believe it. My current manager said I have a good reputation. I was so shocked. Me, a sex addict. He, he told me that they'd like me to start supervising. So I'm no longer denied promotions. And a coworker said that I'm the most positive person he knows. That was really a shock to me. Just the other day, somebody said that. And people seem to be okay with being around me now. And they smile at me and they say hi. That's not the way it used to be. My husband also told me he forgives me. I'm grateful that I can now be a good example to my children. And I'm starting to become the person I really am. I still have a long ways to go. I have a lot of character defects. I still struggle with lust. But I do know healthy ways of coping with these things thanks to SA and thanks to the monitoring and support of the people in SA. So I think maybe I am becoming like that former, former hopeless drunk who with recovery emerged a different person, and I'm really grateful for this. With that, I will take another 24. Thanks. Okay, let's, just a second, we're going to turn off them. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.